Here we go, my friends. Recording in progress. This is Daily Power Power Show. Today is October 20th, 2021, and we are in the midst of the Torah portion of Vayera with a lot to talk about in this Torah portion. So let's get started. We did the first two readings yesterday. We're going to do the next two readings, please God, right now. This is reading three and four. Um, I have it up now on my screen. I'm going to pull it up for... Oh, let's let's dream back in. I'm going to pull it up uh, so that we can all be on the same page. Now, so we, we yesterday, what did we speak about? We spoke about... A second. We spoke about um, the three angels that came to visit Abraham and Sarah. Each one had a different role. Well, one of them multitasked, but it's in the same area of work. So we have one angel that was intent, that was sent to heal Abraham, one angel that was sent to deliver the news about the baby, and one angel that was sent to overturn Sodom. The one that went to Sodom also was joined by the healing angel. The healing angel went to rescue Lot, which is the story that we're about to get to. We read about the laughter. We read about uh, never discount things that are impossible. Miracles can happen. We spoke about that theme yesterday a little bit. I don't know if I mentioned it at length, but that was certainly a theme that was covered in the reading itself. And today, oh, and we read about Abraham's negotiation to save Sodom. I spoke about what the issue was, who the, the Torah says her cry reached the heavens. Who was she? What was her cry? The girl, the young woman who was... Um, torture to death for giving food to a stranger. Um, we spoke about the ills, the evils of Sodom, how that dis- disintegrates society, and um, ultimately how Abraham tries to intervene, tries to um, go to bat, advocate for Sodom, and ultimately is rebuffed by Hashem, told, nope, there aren't even 10 righteous people. Abraham walks away, and at this point, the plan unfolds. Genesis chapter 19, verse number one, and two angels. Not three anymore, two. The angel of destruction and the angel of healing and salvation. So the two angels come. What are their names? Uh, the angel of healing is Raphael. Raphael is the healing one. That was healing and rescue. Heal and rescue. And the destructive angel was Gabriel. Gabriel, Gabriel. Gabriel. So we have Raphael, yeah. Raphael, and Gabriel, Gabriel. So the, okay. these two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, in the gate? That sounds awkward. How did he squeeze himself in there? No, it wasn't in the gate. It was in the walls. They had thick walls. Cities had thick walls back in the day because they were to protect the city. So there was a thick wall with a gate. And, and they used to have sometimes courts and judges that would sit at the entrance of the city. And that's where he was because... He was appointed a public official. He was an elected official. Um, a, a macher. He became a macher in Sodom on that day. That was day one of his tenure. You can imagine how Lot was feeling. Oh, he grew up as a, as a young man in Abraham's household. His uncle took care of him after his father passed away. And he was raised with certain values. And then he went out on his own and he found Sodom, and he chose, and you know what? He was living the Sodom dream. 
like the American dream, the Saddam dream. He was integrating, he was assimilating, he became a Supreme Court justice. This guy, oh, made in the shape. He's got it all. He's finally integrated. He broke through that ceiling, and now they'll certainly love him and welcome him. Well, my friends, hold on as the story unfolds. So Lo was sitting in the gate. That is a euphemism for his position of leadership. And Lot saw and arose toward them. He saw these two angels, saw these two angels that, as we know, appeared as human beings. They weren't flying around, floating with white fluffy wings. They came under the guise or within the guise of human beings. So he saw them and he got up and he prostrated himself on his face to the ground. He welcomed them. Where do you think he learned that behavior from? That expression, he prostrated himself on his face to the ground in front of guests, is what we read yesterday. The exact same behavior that his uncle Abraham did when the three angels came to him. His nephew also still has the Jewish hospitality, the Abrahamic hospitality in his DNA or in his blood, or it's whether it's nature or nurture, maybe learned behavior, whatever it was, he bows down, he welcomes these guys. And he said to the two angels, the two that looked like men, Behold now, my lords, please turn to your servant's house and stay overnight and wash your feet and you shall arise early and go on your way. So he doesn't offer them food. He'll give them food in a moment. He doesn't mention food. He says, you need a place to stay. Stay at my house. You can wash up. You can rest. And then in the morning, early morning, you can go on your way. Why? Why early? Why should you arise early and go on your way? Let them go when they want to go. When you kick out your gate. Hey, folks, 5.30 a.m., time to get out of the house. Thank you, guests, for staying here overnight. I mean, let them go when they want to go. They want to sleep in, let them sleep in. The answer is because, and you know the answer, right? You all know the answer right now. Because Saddam was anti-hospitality. And if people got wind that Lot, the newly appointed public official who came from dubious backgrounds, i.e. the Abrahamic family, if they, and Abraham was known. So if they knew that this guy was inviting guests, oh, they would be very upset. They would be very upset. So he says, it's at night. It was the evening, as we read in the Torah. The, the reading says it was at night. So it was dark. So he said, hey, guys, come over to my house. Let's not make a big deal about this. You'll leave early in the morning, and I can have you over. I can, I can host you. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. And they said, no, but we will stay overnight in the street. No, you don't. Don't go out of your way and don't raise the ire of the local peoples. We'll stay in the street. We'll stay in the street. That's where people used to stay. In a, in a society that doesn't welcome people and doesn't care for their needs, people stay in the streets. But we will stay overnight in the street. And he urged them strongly. And so they listened and they turned to him and came into his house. Oh, and he made them a feast. He also underpromised and overdelivered. He just said, Come over, stay the night. He ended up cooking for them, made them a feast. And he baked unleavened cakes and they ate unleavened cakes. Sounds like matzah to me. Remember, I told you it was Passover. Sounds like that's still, uh, still Passover. Yeah, matzot. If you want to look in the Hebrew, that's what it says. Vayas lahem mishte u matzot. He made them a feast and matzot. All right. Let's continue. When they had not yet retired, 
So it was still before bedtime, and the people of the city, the people of Sodom, surrounded the house. So somebody obviously leaked the information or saw Lot take two guests to his house, because at this point, the mob with the pitchforks came and circled the house, both young and old, and the entire, sorry, the entire populace from every end of the city. So, oh, they came out in droves. They found out that load of all people had come, they had welcomed guests. You, the outsider, you, the Abrahamic guy, you, the stranger, you try to fit in, you try to tell us like you're like us, you try to assimilate or pretend like you assimilated, we, we, we gave you a position of power, and, and here's what you do. You now have guests in your house. Oh, the worst of the worst. That's the worst crime. And they called to Lot from outside the house. I imagine like one of those uh, megaphones, bullhorns. And they said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us and let us be intimate with them. That's a bit of a plot twist over here. The, the Hebrew is v'neid'a. Neid'a is like dat. V'neid'a, and we will know them. Now we know in the Bible, knowing is a euphemism. When you see the word know, it usually means a form of intimacy, physical intimacy. So v'neid'a, and we will know them, we will get to know them, doesn't mean we're going to start finding out where they came from, where they're going, and find out their preferences, you know, travel preferences. No, it, what it means, according to the commentaries, is intimacy. But it really means, in this case, abuse. Let us be intimate with them is not like, oh, maybe we'll hit it off. It means we're going to abuse your guests, right? I'm just going to use that word abuse, okay? Fine. Verse 6. And that was the demand of the mob. There's a mob at his house, around his house, Lot's house, and they're demanding he turn over the guests, and they're going to absolutely... harm these people. And Lot came out to them to the entrance and he shut the door behind him. So he goes out, slams the door shut. And he said to them, my brethren, my fellow Sodom citizens, please do not do evil. You could feel like the heartfelt plea, like don't make me do this. Don't you do this. Behold, now I have two daughters who were not intimate with a man. He had married daughters and unmarried daughters. He had two unmarried daughters. So he's now, as you'll see, offering his unmarried daughters, which I cannot explain, but I guess for me, at least, I don't feel compelled to have to answer for Lot's behavior. I'm just, this is the story. He says, I have two daughters who were not intimate with a man. I will bring them out to you and do to them as you see fit. Um, okay. Hold on. Did my internet cut out? It said internet unstable. Are you, uh, am I still here? Yes. Thumbs up if I'm still here? Yes. Okay. So look. They, he says to the people, to the mob, I have two daughters. You know, I'll take them out. Do whatever you want. That's what it sounds like he's saying. Only to these men do nothing because they have come under my, the shadow of my roof. 
I don't know. I, I struggle. I know. I'm sure I mentioned this last year when we did this Torah portion. I, 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 maybe there's an explanation for this. I mean, maybe there's some sort of angle on this. I don't know. I struggle with this. I don't know how to explain this other than what it seems at face value, that he's basically giving up his daughters for these two strangers that just came and visited Sodom and he invited them into his house. He, the argument is, don't do anything to them because they've come under the shadow of my roof for protection, It would be, which implies it would be terrible for me to violate that trust. But my daughters, who are part of my family, no problem, right? That's not a problem. I, I don't know how to explain this in a way that um, that makes sense on a moral level. Um, but there pro there's probably a commentary out there that makes sense of this. You know, what his plan was. Maybe the daughters were, maybe they wouldn't do that to his daughters. So he knew that by, uh, I'm, I'm speculating, again, I'm struggling with this. I'm speculating maybe, maybe he knew they wouldn't do that to his daughters. They only did that to guests. They only tortured guests. So by saying, hey, my daughters, they wouldn't take them up on that. And maybe they would be like, ah, forget it. And they would go away. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think we already saw, learned that so Saddam will be destroyed. Right? Yes. Yes. So why, why are we learning all of these details prior to that? So what we learned yesterday was that God decided to destroy Saddam. God relayed that to Abraham who lived not there, lived a little bit of ways. God relates to Abraham his plans. And now the scene cuts. Meanwhile, back in Sodom on the ground, right? So meanwhile, so what's go So that's God talking, schmoozing Abraham up. They're having that conversation about the plans. Well, here's how it unfolds. Lot's there. He lives there. He's got a family. The angels come to fulfill this. Meanwhile, he invites them over. The, the mob arrives, he offers the daughters, again, the only thing I can think of, and I know I'm making this up, maybe it's in a commentary somewhere, is maybe he knew they wouldn't do anything. Is this to give us, like, further lessons, like, not to act this way? Yeah, I mean, this, I is, this is telling us, you're saying, what? why is it included? For sure, it's telling us, I mean, there's so many lessons here. Number one, what the evils of Sodom were. That's why they're being destroyed. That's why they're being literally in this last moment of their existence. This is what they're involved with: is send these two guys out, your guests, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna torture them. I mean, that's like this is what's going on, right? This is what this is Sodom. Now we're being introduced to Sodom. So the so fact that they were the details before we did not. It was just they were evil, right? And we're also learning yeah. about Lot's character. How even though he he left Abraham, and even though they didn't see eye to eye, Abraham's hospitality and love for others rubbed off on him. Abraham might have thought, you know, I lost this guy, I lost this kid. I, you know, he, he just went his own way, it didn't work out. Sometimes we think that we weren't effective in influencing someone else until tur turns out they were influenced, we had no idea. Lot was influenced by Abraham, and, and he was deemed worthy of being saved, as we'll see soon in the story. We also learn about. Um, there's a lot of lessons from the story, so let's 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 let, let's learn more. But they said to Lot's offer of the daughter of his daughters, they said to him, "Back, no, back away. 
You get out of the way, we're busting down the door. And they said, this one, they said to each other, this one, that's referring to Lot. This one came to sojourn and he is judging. You see, you see the anti-Semitism. Look at this guy. This guy is a sojourn. I don't know. This guy's a stranger. And he thinks that he's the judge. He, because he was appointed that day to be, he was his first day on the job as an actual judge. But he's the guy that's going to judge us. He's the guy in charge. This guy's an outcast. This guy's a stranger. This guy doesn't belong here. This is the story of our history. I'm just, I'm not saying that Lot was maybe the proudest Jew. I'm just saying that the history of us is you're part of the Abrahamic family. Sure, and you want to fit in, sure, and you think you're not only fitting in, but now you're the one that's, that everyone's looking up to, sure, but at some point that's the, that, that inevitably changes. It happened in Germany. I told this story before, and it's a very important story. In Germany, at some point in time, in the late 1800s, they wanted to take out in, in the Amida the blessing, the blessings that, that, that pray for the prayers for the redemption, for the Messiah, for Jerusalem. And their, and their thought process was, we don't need Jerusalem. We don't need the Messiah because we have Germany. Germany is amazing. That's what they thought. This is like late 1800s. They were the philosophers. They were the poets. They were the musicians. They were the scientists, the engineers, the factory owners. They owned land and property. They had it in with the nobles and, and, and the government. This is Germany. And within a few decades, the Holocaust. So it's just things turn, things turn. I'm not predicting anything, you know. But just saying the reality of, of history is that things turn. And the, one the quick thing, one quick little interjection. Yeah. One quick. So when my brother came, you know, a few weeks ago, yeah. I, I got I re I got him a couple of Jewish Southern books, you know, and I read a bit before I gave them to him. And one of them talked about the history of the Jews arriving in Atlanta. Mm. And that's what they discussed was how the German Jews coming into Atlanta, they wanted to assimilate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing, first thing is assimilate. We'll get in, we'll get cozy, we'll get comfortable, and they won't hate us. The original intention of assimilation was not out of the lure of money, fame, honor. You know, that, that wasn't the allure. Country clubs. It was to escape anti-Semitism. Is how do we escape the Jew hatred being othered is if we fit in, if we blend in, if we drop the Jewish stuff. I think Hitler discriminated against uh, Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. Yeah, you think he... Uh, just Jewish. Just, just Jewish. Thought he would. Huh? They thought he would. They, th they thought he would. That's exactly what they thought. They thought he would. Thank you for saying that. They, whoever they is, they thought he would. They thought that if they were so in tight with, uh, you know, the culture and whatever, they could be more German than the Germans. The, the slogan was in Germany, right? Be a Jew at home and a German in the streets. That was a Yiddish expression. And it didn't work, and it's never worked, and it didn't work for Lot. This is the first, I, next week we're starting our anti-Semitism, which is a very important course. We talk about this idea. We talk about what to do with anti-Semitism, where it comes from, but more importantly, what do we do about it? You know, and, and, and what have some attempted um, approaches been in history? And we talk about this.
know, does assimilation work? The first time we find assimilation failing is Lot. Today, today's read, the reading that we're reading today. Lot tries to blend in. The moment he does something they don't like, ah, the other. Ah, this guy, this, the stranger. This guy comes in and he's going to tell us and he's going to be dead. No. And you see it driving, the, you can almost sense that it's driving the hate. Yeah? Verse 9 again. But they said, back away to Lot. And they said about Lot, this one came to sojourn and he is judging. Now we will deal even worse with you than with them. Look at that. We'll deal worse with you, Lot, than with them. Is it about the guests, the host, that the host has Jewish connections, Abrahamic connections? Yeah, and they pressed hard upon the man Lot. In other words, they were starting to attack him, and they drew near to break down, I added the word down, to break the door. Now, what about the angels that look like men? And the men stretched forth their hands. And they brought Lot to them to the house and they shut the door. So the men inside, the angels inside, they opened the door, they took Lot, they brought him in, they slammed the door shut. And the men who were at the entrance of the house, that means the angels again, they struck with blindness. Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, they struck. Yes, they, the, the men, the angels, the two angels, struck the mob with blindness. You know, they did something and they, 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 they set blindness upon the mob, both great and small, both small and great, sorry, everyone there, whether they were small or great, and they toiled in vain to find the entrance. So now struck with this, they can't see, they couldn't find the door anymore. And the men said to Lot, the men meaning the angels, I, it's... Sorry if it's a little complicated as who the men are. Are they the mob or are they the angels? The, this is the angels again. The angels said to, to, said to Lot, Whom else do you have here? A son-in-law, your sons, and your daughters. And whomever you have in the city, please take out of the place. In other words, this destruction is going down right now. This is, it's, you're, we're in an active, an active destruction zone. So take your family Whoever you have, son-in-law, sons, daughters, whatever, whoever, whatever, get everyone out of here. Why? For we are destroying this place because their cry has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So the angel says to Lot, this might have been the angel of rescue, might have been Rafal that was the spokesperson now because it was about the rescue mission. He says, let's get out, let's, you guys got to get out of here right now. Because this place is being destroyed. So Lot went forth and spoke to his sons-in-law, the suitors of his daughters. And he said to them, Arise and go forth from this place, for the Lord is destroying the city. He says, Guys, heads up. We've got to get out of here right now. God is destroying the city. Yeah, what, what did the son-in-laws think? Remember, the, his daughters, he had some single daughters and some married daughters. The married daughters had husbands. From Sodom. So again, he lived the dream, the assimilation dream. His kids married into Sodom families. And what about his sons-in-law? 
He seemed like a comedian in the eyes of his sons-in-law. He said, you're a joker. You're a fool. You're a comedian. Ha <laughs> ha, Lot, father-in-law. You're Meshuggah. You're, 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 you're crazy. We should run away from the city because God's destroying the city. It's Meshuggah. Well, this is all happening overnight. And as the dawn rose of that next morning, the angels pressed Lot. Right now they're pressing Lot. Before the people pressed Lot, they were uh, attacking him. Now the angels are not pressing him physically, but like, yalla, let's go. Saying, get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you perish because of the iniquity of the city. What was his wife's name? Idit. Idit was his wife. I-D-I-T, Idit. So Idit, he says, so the angels say, get up, get your wife, Idit, your two daughters, the two unmarried daughters who are here, because the other ones, let me just explain. It said, Lo went forth and spoke to his sons-in-law. That means that his married daughters lived with their husbands in other homes. So he went to their houses and said, guys, heads up, we got to get out of here. This is the night, overnight, somewhere you know, early morning. Let's just call it 3 a.m. He's knocking on his, on his uh, daughter, married daughter's home, and the sons-in-law are there. And then he's like, guys, let's get out of here. No, nothing doing. That's it. He can't. So he goes back home. And in the morning, as the dawn is rising, the angels say, now it's time. Now it's time to get out. Take your wife, your two daughters, the single daughters who are living here, living in your home still because they're not married, lest you perish. You've got to get out of here lest you perish because of the iniquity of the city. You don't want to get caught up in the destruction. But he tarried. He tarried. He delayed. He stalled. He froze. He paused. The beautiful trump, the cantillation note. Can you see it above the mem? I'm going to see if I can zoom in. I'm going to zoom in to an irresponsible level. Give me a moment here. Let me see if I can zoom in. Hold on. How do I zoom in? How do I zoom in even? Give me a second. Zoom in, zoom. <laughs> yeah. You can zoom if we're on phones. That's true. That's true. But take a look. Right. I wanted to just make the screen a little bit bigger on my end so I can see it also. The word is Vayismahma. And if you look above the mem, you'll see what looks like a lightning bolt. No, it's not Harry Potter. Let me make it even bigger. A squiggly line. There yeah, you go. There it is. Right there. And the trap, it's called a shalshelet or shalshelis. It goes zigzag, it goes up and down. Goes up and down. Goes up and down, up and down. Back and forth. The commentators explain every time you find one, very, very few times, four or five times, a handful of times in the whole Torah will you find any cantillation note that's sung like that. You, you won't, it, very, very few times. Every time, it means ambivalence. It means that the person was struggling with a decision. Should I stay or should I go? Do I believe? Do I not believe? Do you think it's 
Do you think it's actually going to happen, or is, am, I, am I crazy? Am I actually a joker? Am I actually a comedian? What's, what, what should I do? Should I go with, should I run away with my family, or should I stay? Or more precisely, from a Jewish perspective, the way I want to frame it today, vis-a-vis anti-Semitism, assimilation, etc., am I giving up the Saddam dream and acknowledging that I am different, or am I just going to ride it to the end? Because that's the path that I've chosen. I've chosen to be one with them. Am I just riding it down, you know, holding on wherever it goes? Or am I saying, you know what? I am different. I am from the Abrahamic family. I do have Jewish connections. I'm out. That's the question. That's the question. Right? Up and down, up and down, up and down. Three times, back and forth. Back and forth. The sign is a zigzag. Back and forth. Ambivalence. Ambivalence. Uncertainty. What should I do? All right. Yeah. According to my Rashi, I don't understand this. This is uh, Rashi says anti-delayed in order to save his money. Yeah. Rashi's. It's exactly what I just said. Think about it. What is it? Think about it. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that in a critical way. I'm saying that in a in a um, in a in an empowering way. In other words, that's exactly what we're talking about. Do I leave? The dream of assimilation and success and the American way and the American dream, the Saddam dream. Do I, leave, do I, do I, sorry, do I stay there for my money, for my, for my connection, for my assimilation, or do I leave? That's the question. Do, do I believe or do I not believe? That's the question. You know how many times Jews have had to, have had to ask that question historically? Every expulsion, it was always the same thing. Do I stay for my money, right? In Spain, do I stay for my money? Am I, am I, am I, do I pretend to convert or whatever it is or, or actually convert? Or do I go and, and leave penniless? This is, not, this is the first time, this is not the last time this decision had to be made. This is by far the last time. It's been made millions of times in our history. The same decision. And you don't think the Jews that left and the Jews that stayed in 1492, you don't think they had the same shalshelis? You don't think they had the same delay? And some decided to go, some decided to stay. But it was all born of an excruciating, excruciating decision. That's his decision right now. Do you stay or do you go? Do you stay for the money, for the power, for the influence, for the assimilation, for the... You know, I can finally be successful if I just leave my past behind, or do you leave the? Or and, do you go, and sometimes do you, go, you have to leave family behind. Which, yes, yes, he leaves his daughter, his married. Yeah, he leaves the the married kids, and who knows? Maybe he had grandkids even. Who knows? We don't know the timeline of 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 when. I mean, I'm sure the timeline is known. I, I don't have an exact time. How old he was. His children, the married children, did they have grandchildren? Yeah. He now has the choice to leave them behind because they're not coming with him. They already told him in the middle of the night. They're not, they, they, they laughed him out. They laughed, they laughed him out the house. But he tarried. Verse 16. So what did the angels do? The men, the angels took hold of his hand and his wife's hand and the hand of his two daughters out of the Lord's pity for him. You see that? God said to the angels, guys, just grab him physically and go. 
And they took him out and placed him outside the city. And it came to pass when they took them outside, them, Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, the four, the, four the four refugees, the four evacuees, when the angels took them actually physically by the hand outside, that he said, the angels said, flee, this is the angel of salvation, flee for your life, do not look behind you, and do not stand in the entire plain. Like, get out of this entire area. Flee to the mountain lest you perish. This entire plain is going up. Fire, salt, and sulfur. It is going to be absolutely destroyed. Get out of here. So they took him out of the immediate um, city walls. And that was also for his own safety because they were probably still looking for him. So they took him out of the city. And then they said, start running. Because it's still not safe. It wasn't just one city. It was the whole region that was going to be destroyed. You got to get out of here. Go to the mountains. You'll be safe in the mountains. And Lot said to them, please do not, O Lord. Please do not. Behold now, your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have increased your kindness which you have done with me to sustain my soul. In other words, obviously for some reason you've decided to save me. So somehow I've done something good that you've decided to, in your kindness, save me. But I cannot flee to the mountains, to the mountain, lest the evil overtake me and I die. What Rashi explains, according to my recollection, is that he didn't want to go near where Abraham was. Because if he's going to go back to where to, to be neighbors to Abraham, God's going to look at him like a good for nothing. Like next to this people of Sodom, he's a tzaddik. Next to Abraham, not such a tzaddik. He says, I don't want to go to the mountain, that's too close to Abraham. If I'm there, then I'm gonna be, be. Then I'm gonna. You're gonna compare me to him. I'm not gonna stand a chance. That's what he means. Lest the evil overtake me and I die. Let's let's talk Rashi again. I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's Rashi's commentary. But let's just jump in on this. Yeah. Yeah. When I was among the people of Sodom, God saw my deeds and the deeds of the people of the city, and I appeared righteous and worthy of being saved. And it was relative to them. I'm I'm a tzaddik. But when I shall come alongside a righteous man, and that's referring to Abraham, I shall be considered a wicked man. So it's, it's all relative, right? Righteousness can be relative also. So I don't want to go where I'm not going to look good. Behold now, says Lot, the city is near to flee there, and it is small. Let me please flee there. Is it not small? And my soul will survive. Lot bargains with the angels. He says, guys, there's another city. There were five cities in the in the region. It was a five city. What do you call it? Like um, when you have like a land, a city, and then it's not suburbs, but um, Atlanta metro, like the metro area. So you have like the Sodom metro area had actually like another few cities around it. So he said to them, "Don't don't make me go all the way out because that's too close to Abraham, Avram, my uncle. Let me go to one of these cities, the smallest city." And maybe you can spare one of the five. Just one of the five. If you can spare that one city, I'll go there. And you don't, don't destroy it. And I'll be safe. And I'll be away from Abraham and do my own thing. And he said to him, the angel said to Lot in response, Behold, 
I have favored you also as regards this matter. In other words, yes, I, I'll, 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 I'll hook you up with this one. This one time, I'm going to give this to you. That I will not overturn the city that you have mentioned. So that small city won't be deal. I'm not going to overturn it. And um, you, can, you, can, you can be safe there. But hasten, flee there. You got to get over there fast. For I will not be able to do anything until you arrive there. In other words, I have to wait till you get there. So that you get there safely. So get over there now. And then I'm gonna, and then the clock's ticking on this. This is gonna happen. Destruction's gonna happen. What city? What was the city? Therefore, he named the city Tsar. That's the name of the city. Tsar. Tsar, yeah. Um, Tsar means small, as Rashi says, because of the words, and it is small. Remember how Lot asked for the small city, the smallest city. Mm-hmm. Well, the small city is called now. At least it was named small. Tsar means small. So he named it small because it was small and that's how he survived and got that because he, he reasoned, look, it's the smallest, probably the least evil of the bunch. Or the, if you take the amount of evil things that were done because there's less people, probably less, things, less bad things were done. So save this one city. All right, well, here we go. The sun came out upon the earth. Remember, it was the dawn was rising. Now the sun is, now the sun is getting, is emerging. Time is, time, the clock is ticking. And Lot arrives, Lot came to Tsar. And the Lord caused them to raid upon Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Amorah, brimstone and fire from the Lord from heaven. And he turned over these cities and the entire plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and the vegetation of the ground. Turned over means just absolute abject destruction. The earth itself turned over upside down, inside out. Everyone, everything, vegetation was destroyed. And his wife looked from behind him. She became a pillar of salt. Yeah. yeah. So Lot's wife, in the process of escaping, they said, don't, don't turn around. She looks around. Right? Where did they say, don't turn around? It was in the last reading. If you look at the bottom of, at the end of the last reading, they said... Um, the angel said, flee for your life. Do not look behind you. They gave that explicit instruction. Do not look. Why is it the whole area, the whole thing? Do not look behind you. She repeated Eve's mistake. Right? Of? Well, Eve was told not to eat from the, you know, an instruction. Yeah. Yeah. They were told not to look. She turns around and she's done. His wife looked from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. The commentaries have a lot of conversation about this one. Why did she look behind? Why pillar of salt? Isn't that where the Dead Sea is? Where the, all that salt? That's what they say. Should we try to look it up? Barry. Barry. Yeah. Did you ever hear the routine that David Steinberg did? You know, he's a comedian. He talked about Lot and... Lot and his wife escaping uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife says, Lot, why do we have to go? It was fun there. We partied. Why do we have to go? Why do we have to go? And Lot finally can't take it. He says, dear, God has a message for you. Look back. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is what some say and some tour guides will tell you is Lot's wife. This is right by the Dead Sea. That's the Dead Sea in front of you. 
The Dead Sea, of course, is the lowest elevation, one of the, at least one of the lowest elevations in the world. It's salty, it's inhospitable to life, at least uh, many forms of life, although you, those that are selling you Dead Sea products will say it, it rejuvenates life, but that's another conversation. That's a mall conversation, Israeli product conversation. But they say, they say that this is Lot's wife. It's a salty, um, I don't know, it's, not, it's, it's made of salt. This is pure salt. Is that her? Does it look like a woman wearing a shawl? That's what they'll tell you. I, it, it, can I say for sure? How could I ever say for sure? How, how would I know? But this is what they say. Can you guys see that picture? It's coming up? Yes. Yeah, all right. So there you go. I'll let you decide what you believe, and, uh, and it is what it is. Um, anyway, she turns into a pillar of salt. There's a lot of commentary. Why she looked behind, uh, in addition to what Mark said, right? But there's a lot of commentary is why she looked behind and why she turned into a pillar of salt. One of the classic answers is that it was a punishment for withholding salt from her guests. She was that's a... What Rashi, that's what Rashi, oh. sure. yeah. That's what Rashi says. Yeah. Oh. She was she was a local, a sodomite, and um, they didn't like guests. As you as by now you probably have have heard me say this a few times, several times. They did not like guests. So when Lot would bring over guests, so she was it went against her upbringing, her whole nature, and she wouldn't give them salt. So the food didn't taste as good as it could. She made them food, but she didn't put in salt. Some say she did something else. She would go around to her neighbor saying, I need salt. My husband brought home guests, thereby alerting the neighbors that her husband had done something wrong. In their laws, done something wrong by bringing home guests. So that was her way of outing her husband. And according to some, that's how they discovered that the angels had come over that night because she did her salt routine. And, um, and that was the deal. So again, two different explanations from the Midrash and Talmud about why salt specifically. And so some say she was punished. She looked back. She, she missed. Looking back is also the idea of nostalgia, of like looking back. And she, maybe she didn't want to leave Sodom. Maybe she liked that lifestyle. And it was marked by salt, either not putting it in or borrowing salt and announcing the guests. Either way, she turns, reverts, to, not reverts, turns into a pillar of salt. There's a lot more to discuss. This discussed in the mystical teachings as well, in Kabbalah and Hasidut. But maybe for another time, uh, we can do a deep dive. I'm giving you more of the basic understanding of the story right now. Okay, let's continue. Verse 27, Abraham arose. Now, now back to Abraham. So Lot and his daughters, three out of four, are saved. Next, and Abraham arose early in the morning. That was that same morning. And he arose to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And this is a reference to the fact that he was praying. He got up and prayed. Abraham is the one who instituted the morning prayer. Abraham wakes up early to, to stand before God. It means he's praying to God. This is right here. Verse 27 is the source of the morning prayers. Next, and he looked over the face of Sodom and Gomorrah and over the entire face of the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the earth had risen like the smoke of a furnace. God had told him that, he, that this destruction was going to happen. Now, that morning, he wakes up, is davening, he's praying outside. He looks out and he sees smoke rising. Smoke rising. I still remember the day of 9-11. I, I've shared this before. I lived in Brooklyn. That morning, 8, whatever it was in the morning, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, Towers hit, 
Towers collapse. The whole day there was smoke rising. I remember 770 going up upstairs by the uh, platform, by the, the, the entrance to the women's balcony. You go up on a little platform over there, up a bunch of stairs. I remember looking out and seeing the smoke. You could see Manhattan, see the skyline from uh, Crown Heights. Crown Heights is called Crown Heights because it's, it's a higher part of Brooklyn. Crown Heights, hence the name Heights. Anyway, scary. Scary to see destruction and smoke rising from destruction. Abraham sees this with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain. Remember, there were four cities. Sodom and Gomorrah are two of them. There were another two. Tsoar, the fifth, was, was spared. When God destroyed the city of the plain, that God remembered Avram, Abraham, and he sent Lot out of the midst of the destruction when he overturned the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So why was Lot saved? A lot to do with his uncle. This is the second time that, he was, that his life was saved by his uncle. The first time in the war between the, five and kings and the, between the five kings and the four kings, and now in the destruction of Sodom. Just saying, FYI. Um, Abraham had his back. All right, whether he knew about it or not, the Torah testifies that when God destroyed the cities, he remembered Abraham. And therefore, he sent Lot out. Not to say that Lot didn't have his own merits. He did invite guests over. He got one mitzvah in. One could say maybe the angels went there at that point in the night and didn't just show up in the morning and destroy to give him the opportunity to do the mitzvah of hospitality and give him one more credit before they rescued him. Ah, you did a mitzvah. We can take you out. But why did they even show up? Merit of Abraham. I'm trying to combine the two merits. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. Let's continue verse 30. Back to Lot. Ari. Yeah. Yeah, what Rashi says about the God remembered Abraham, Rashi says, what is the remembrance of Abraham over Lot? Does God remember that Lot was aware that Sarah was Abraham's wife? And he heard Abraham say in Egypt regarding Sarah, she is my sister, but he did not reveal the matter. Good. Lot had pity on Abraham, therefore the Holy One blessed to see had pity on him. Beautiful. Excellent. So it's, he remembers not just Abraham's merit, but the merit that Lot had in right. not divulging the secret. When they went down to Egypt, when they first had that famine in Canaan, when they first got there and they went down to Egypt, and Abraham said, oh, she's my sister, because he don't want to be killed because they wanted her. And Lot kept quiet. He went along with it. So that was, you know, he, he stood up for his uncle. He backed his uncle, Abraham, his uncle had backed him in the war, and now, once again, he's being rescued. All right, let's continue. Oh, this is a crazy story. Okay, crazy story. And this will take us to the end. Uh, actually, you know what? We're going to stop uh, by, by the new chapter, which is in a few verses. All right, here we go. And Lot went up from Tsoar, and he dwelt in the mount mountain. So it sounds like he left Tsar at some point and did go to the mountain, maybe different mountains. He said he didn't want to go to the mountains, he wanted to go to Tsar. Now he's leaving Tsar, going to the mountain. All right. He's struggling where to be, where to put himself. This is a bizarre story. Disturbing story, bizarre story. And his two daughters were with him, the unmarried daughters, for he was afraid to dwell in Tsar. Oh, it says right here, he was afraid to dwell in Tsar. 
So he had asked for Tzohar, but he was afraid to be there. He thought maybe it's next. So he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. They lived a cave life. And the elder said to the, the younger, they thought everything was destroyed. So the elder said to the daughter, our father is old and there is no man on earth to come upon us as is the custom of all the earth. Now what that means is, I, I'm not going to spell it out exactly, but there is no man on earth to come upon us as is the custom of all the earth, meaning there's no one that can, that we can procreate with other than our father. They thought, they did not know, the daughters did not know, maybe even Lot did not know, that any other part of the world was spared. They thought, but that was it. It was just them. Sar is next, and it's just Lot and his two daughters. That's it. Come, let us give our father wine to drink, and let us lie with him, and let us bring to life seed from our father. The Torah testifies that the intentions were procreative. That was completely the intention. And it was born, no pun intended, of the assumption that apocalypse, everything was gone, and it was just those three, Lot and his daughters. So the older one said to the younger one, here's the plan. We're going to get our father drunk, shikr. Again, we're finding some uh, challenges with alcohol or challenging results of, of alcoholic consumption. The, our sages tell us, according to one opinion, that the fruit of the forbidden tree of Adam and Eve was grapes and that she pressed them into wine and drank the wine. And that was the, the first sin, wine. Lot, sorry, Noah, Noah had debased himself with wine and that led to a whole incident with his son Ham and the other two sons. And now the daughters, their plan is hatched with wine. Okay, and they gave their father, verse 33, they gave their father wine to drink on that night. And the elder came and lay with her father, and he did not know of her lying down or of her rising up. He was so inebriated, he was so under the influence, he had no idea. He was completely out of it. When she lied down, when she got up, in other words, from beginning to end, he was unaware of what was going on. The Torah absolves him, right, of... of guilt in this situation, or of responsibility in this situation. And it came to pass in the morrow that the elders said to the younger, Behold, last night I lay with my father, let us give him wine to drink tonight too, and come, lie with him, and let us bring to life seed from our father. In other words, now it's your turn. The older daughter, this was her idea, she now says to her younger, sorry, the older sister, now says to her younger sister, it's your turn, next night. So they gave their father to drink on that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know of her lying down or of her rising up. Now, in the Torah, there are dots above some of these words. And dots indicate you got to look a little bit deeper. You don't see the dots here. You would see it in the actual Chumash, or in the, no, the Torah scroll itself will have that. Um, Where is it? I can't find it now for some reason. 
Oh, it's by the first one. It's by the first one, Uvakuma, of, of, of a rising up. This rising up, Uvakuma, there's a dot above the Vav over here. And, yeah. Yeah. Which indicates that on some level he did know. Trying to find it. Yeah. It says he didn't know when she lied down or when she got up and that there's a dot and that means that he did somewhat know when she got up. There was, he didn't really know, but he was a little bit suspicious. And the Rashi says, but that still didn't stop him from getting drunk the second night. So on some level, there is some acquiescence on his part. So they gave their father drink on that night also the second night, and the younger rose and lay with him, and he did not know of her lying down or of her rising up. But again, he did sense something when the first one, well, that first night when she got up, and yet it didn't stop him. So some culpability here is on his side. And Lot's two daughters conceived from their father. In case you were wondering, here it spells it out. And the elder bore a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of Moab, the nation of Moab, until this day. And the younger, she too bore a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. And he is the father of the children of Ammon until this day. So Moab and Ammon come from Lot, the nephew of Avram from Abraham. They come from Mishpacha. We are cousins. We are cousins of the Moabites and the Ammonites, which make it that much more disappointing that when we left Egypt and we were looking for a path through to the Holy Land, at the end of the 40 years of traveling, they both said, nope, you cannot go through our land. But it's only for peace. We're brothers. We're, not, we're, we're cousins. We're only here to, you know, to, get, to pass through. We're not going to cause any. Nope. The Jews went around. Never start up with Ammon and Moab. They were, they were the family, part of the family, and so they just went around. There's so many lessons in the story. The lessons, what big one is about assimilation and trying to fit in, not being accepted. We have lessons about um, hospitality and immorality. We have less, just, the lessons are, are, are just unending. Um, I think the one that I want to, that I want to focus on, what do I want to focus on? I have to think, what's, what's the one that I want to focus on? Yeah, I, pursuant to what we said yesterday, that just the, the, the destruction, the destructive nature of a society in which giving is, is evil. In a society where taking care of someone else is frowned upon, the next step is, is self-destruction. We have to be very careful to never allow ourselves, for whatever reason, to get into that place where we say, not my, not my problem, not my business. Again, how to go about it? That's a question of, of, how to, of how to go about it. But it should never be a question that we need to go about it some way. It should never be an option to say, not my issue, not my problem. They, de deal with it yourself. It's never wiping our hands of, of responsibility for each other is not a Jewish option. Thank you for joining me today for Daily Power of Parsha. Quick announcement tonight. Torah study 7.30. We're going to be talking about the um, wells of love. Wells of love. 7.30, we'll learn about love, the dangers, the beauty of love, the danger of love, dangers of love.
and how to protect against those dangers, how to create healthy scenarios of love. Lessons from Wells and this week's Torah portion. Topic, yeah. I have a question. Sure. Uh, Ruth was also a Moabite. Right. And she was the she was the mother of uh, or the. Uh, okay. She was a great great grandmother of David. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And this was so this all goes back to Lot. Yes. To Lot and his and his daughter. daughters. Correct. Correct. You will find. You will find that um, Mashiach, David, the Messiah, Mashiach, who comes from David, is emerges from dubious lineage. Quite like very bizarre. It says in Kabbalah, the reason for this is when a big light needs to come down into the world, it's very attractive to thieves, spiritual thieves, like the Klipa, Sitra Akra terms that you know from Tanya, the dark forces will leach themselves to bright light and, and try to misappropriate. So how do you get a big light into this world? You smuggle it in a very bizarre case. Shell. Think of uh, Judah, right? Think of Judah and Tamar. Judah has children through his own daughter-in-law. When she dressed the way he thought she was a um, a harlot, and he was with her. Remember that story? Yeah. Book of... Um, it's coming up in a few weeks. Book of Genesis. So, Mashiach on all sides, father's side, mother's side, is, um, has, question, has very bizarre lineage. Uh, not bizarre lineage. Bizarre like stories surrounding that. Because when you want to get a big light into the world, you have to smuggle it. You want to smuggle diamonds, you put it in a cereal box. Or something like that. You don't just advertise it. Handkerchief, yeah. Yeah, so you, right, you, you hide it. You put it in something that looks, you know, opposite of what it is or whatever. So you say, oh, from that relationship, from that union, from that night, there'll be a big, powerful soul born. Now, we don't need to worry about that one. No, <laughs> Whatever soul was marked for that conception. <laughs> Imagine the Kleepas hanging around the bar. Hey, guys, I heard of a new one coming in... Uh, for Lot and his daughter. Nah, no need to worry about that one. No, no, no bright light there. It's exactly where you get the brightest light. So that nah, maybe is another lesson to end off on. Sometimes the greatest potential is in the most unlikely of places. Can't judge a book by its cover. That's always a good lesson. Not to judge a book by its cover. All right, thank you for joining me today. I'm going to let you all go. Um, looking forward to learning tonight, 7.30. Be there or be square. And tomorrow, please God, same bad time, same bad channel. All right, Ray, Donna, Sarah, Mark, Olia, we'll see you guys. Great to learn together. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure, pleasure. Great to see everybody. Bye.